Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Mike Rogers. Mike is the Chief Technology Officer of Pilot Flying J, a leading operator of travel centers and supplier of fuel across North America. It's the seventh largest private company in the United States. Michael is responsible for enterprise technology, digital technology, and marketing. He has been a tech and digital executive multiple times over as Executive Vice President of Omnichannel at JCPenney and as a Chief Information Officer at Saks Fifth Avenue prior to that. I look forward to hearing more about his professional journey through this conversation. Mike, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thanks. Happy to be here. But first, a quick word from our partner, Adyen, and the company's Chief Operating Officer, Cameron Zaki. Adyen is a payment platform company that allows businesses to accept e-commerce, mobile, and point-of-sale payments. And Cameron wanted to provide a short overview of what Adyen has to offer. Cameron, over to you. Thanks, Peter. It's one global platform on which you can do many continents and countries, all the relevant payment methods, which vary significantly across different parts of the world to online and physical world or mobile. And we've continued to expand from there. If you go to a dinner party and people ask you what you do and you say this, they're like, that sounds like common sense. Why is it unique? The reality is that a lot of the players who've been around for decades have grown on mainframe computing, releasing once or twice a year, buying other companies, and then they give you one API. But behind the scenes, it's a bit of a spaghetti mess, unfortunately. What Adyen did and what we do is sort of really do the backend plumbing that is a little less sexy at times, but really makes the difference in being able to say, hey, it was Peter. Do you know that he you know, shops online and on mobile and in your store and you can recognize him and you can connect all the dots and it's not just enabling the payment but it's hey how do you factor that into loyalty and marketing and all kinds of other use cases thanks cameron and now on to the interview mike i, I offered a, a, the briefest of uh, thumbnail sketches to pilot flying jay's business uh, an organization that actually is much more more uh, complex and involved than what i described i wonder if you could take a quick moment and and uh, double click on that a little bit for us please Sure. It's one of the things that makes Pilot a really uh, fun and, and exciting company to work for. It's really several businesses wrapped up into one, and they're all pretty large. Um, we're, we're a large franchiser of QSR restaurants. We have partners like Wendy's and Taco Bell, Arby's, et cetera. We run those uh, like there are businesses within our travel centers. Of course, we have the travel center business, which is retail. Think, uh, you know, coffee, candy bars, whatever you need while you're on the road. Um, we also run our own food business, which it's about half of our food business. We manufacture and create our own food within the restaurants. Very supportive of uh, professional truck drivers. Uh, we're a logistics company. We have a fleet of about a thousand trucks. We're also an energy services company where we provide energy services in the oil field in Texas, some in Pennsylvania. Uh, and we also, uh, we provide fuel to a lot of other entities other than just pilot. About half the fuel we sell, we sell to other other people that sell fuel or use it for themselves, for example, in their distribution centers. It's a large, complex company. I certainly get that get that idea from that description, Mike. And as you rolled through that, uh, very different parts of your business, which I can only imagine have very different implications from a technology perspective as well. Uh, I wonder if, generally speaking, you can talk about philosophically how you organize uh, technology. No doubt there's some aspects of it that are very unique to the different attributes of the business themselves, very different, as I say, from each other. Whereas I, I can only imagine that there are also some standards you're setting across the entire uh, enterprise as such as well. Can you talk a bit about how you how you think about that across such a diverse array of businesses? And it, it's, it has created problems for us and 
you had to have creative solutions. So, you know, we're one, we're a big company and IP is centralized. So uh, all of IT pretty much is centralized under my team. And what we've done is we've established, you know, business verticals and my team is divided up amongst those verticals. So for example, we've got a digital and loyalty vertical. Okay, there's a certain amount of resources, capital allocation that's dedicated to that vertical. There's a vertical vertical for PFJ Energy, which is our you know energy supply organization that supplies both Pilot and the other companies in our wholesale business to whom we sell uh, petroleum products to. You know those resources are pretty much aligned with the executive team. So the big leaders of each executive team that reports to the CEO has a as an IT unit pretty much assigned to them. And then of course you've got the foundational. Uh, IT, the core of IT, cloud infrastructure, um, storage, all that stuff that report, that's my vertical. So I pretty much make the calls relative to that. But as far as prioritization goes, capital allocation, how we're investing our money to support the business, that happens in the verticals. Okay, so at the very top level, capital is allocated to IT, and then we we allocate within the verticals. And, you know, Brad Jenkins, who runs supply and distribution, you know, he's got a, he's, everybody has more projects and more things they want to do than we can uh, either get done or fund. So he's got to, he's got to make the decision about where he wants to spend his, the resources that have been allocated to him. Or if it's in marketing, Adrian, now Adrian reports to me, she runs marketing. Same thing would apply to her. Yeah, it's interesting. And I was fascinated to learn um, as, as we were preparing together that marketing is, is within your purview as well. Uh, and I'd love to understand the rationale for, for that. Uh, talk a bit about how that, how that came to be. Uh, certainly, I can only imagine when you were first a technology executive at uh, a company like Saks, Saks Fifth Avenue that, that uh, the thought of technology also run, running marketing would have likely been anathema. I, I'm guessing. I didn't know you then, of course. Whereas uh, this is certainly an, an unusual wrinkle, um, and I would love to understand more. Yeah, it's it is interesting. Uh, you know, at Saks, uh, we had a very symbiotic relationship between technology and marketing, uh, and even back then, it I guess it was a long time. I'm getting older. Uh, it, it would really it really worked pretty well because you know marketing is all about data, that type of thing, the data warehouse, how you're getting building data lakes to support it. So there was a very good relationship between IT and marketing there. Same thing applies here, and a lot of the technology that we're deploying. Let's face it, uh, it, it applies to marketing. So when you think about our loyalty program, the way we deliver that loyalty program is through our digital products, specifically our app that is very targeted towards professional truck drivers. Okay, we, we invest a lot of money there and the marketing uh, aspect of that is critical from a user experience perspective. It's probably one of our biggest areas of investment and quite frankly, one of our biggest areas to grow uh, when you think about, we're, we actually have an omni-channel initiative. Now, it's a little different than what you would have consider omni-channel at Saks or JCPenney, but the concept is the same when you're linking all the additional, all the various touch, touch points, uh, whether they're in the store, they're at the pump, they're at the diesel pump versus the gas pump or kiosk, all those in-store touch points. We want to build a common experience for the user community, and that happens through technology. But the marketing guys are driving the bus, so to speak. Talk a bit about the loyalty program that you talked about through digital products aimed to, at uh, uh, professional truck drivers, as you mentioned. I, um, uh, talk a bit about your how you've gotten to know the personas of that of that group and their revolving needs uh, from from a digital perspective and how you think about that. Yeah, it's uh, you know we went with a, with a mobile slash API first strategy when I started with the company and really have grown it significantly. The loyalty program it was pretty basic when I started here, and over time we've evolved it. 
we were we were not competitive. Let's face it, we had we were given one point. Our competitors had a program where you can get up to four points, and we made a decision um, about three and a half four years ago that we were going to deliver a, a really solid loyalty offering. But in order to kind of play other than the base program, you were going to have to engage digitally. Okay, so we put it. It's app based. And we call it push for points and you use the my rewards plus app and when you the, you have to do one thing every month to play in the four points program you got to push the button and say yes i want to play and as you fuel your fueling behavior every time you fuel you get you get to earn more points up to four or five points depending and we're doing targeted marketing now where some some of our guests can earn more than four points depending on their behavior okay it's very personalized okay and the the idea here was we 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 figured out very quickly that lack of digital engagement resulted in zero behavior behavioral change on the customers. Okay, so if we were to offer the same benefits to everybody, everybody would continue doing the same thing. So when we tested it and we we launched it by making it digital, if you went through the the effort of downloading the app, pushing the button every month, okay, then your behavior changed, your fueling behavior went up. Your inside sales behavior improved, and overall, the benefits we gave to our guests were better, and the guests treated us better by shopping with us more. So it really has worked, and every month it's continuing to grow significantly uh, as we engage more and people understand that the digital engagement isn't a bad thing. We're not trying to track you. We're trying to help you do your job better. The other thing specifically about the, it's very focused on the professional driver. That's uh, been our focus as a company. There's a lot of opportunity on the gas side and the, the EV side for that matter, but the focus there is about driver utility, okay? Those professional drivers are working their tails off every day. They really showed it during the pandemic and everybody like you, me, and anybody that listens to this, owe them a debt of gratitude for what they did, okay? They couldn't stay home. They didn't, and they came out and the groceries <laughs> would have been really bad if they didn't, okay? We would have had nothing on the shelves. With that said, you know, drivers shower in our locations. Okay, so we do about 55 to 65,000 showers a day. What we decided to do was we made it easy for them to reserve shower on the app. While they're fueling, as long as they're on the premises, they can reserve a shower. As soon as they do it on the app, they're in line, they get a code on the phone, they walk into the store, type the phone into the door, tells them shower two is yours, type in a five digit code, the door opens, they've got a clean shower with towels and everything they need to do it. Okay, that is huge. Over 50% of showers are reserved on the app now. That's a 50% engagement. Same thing with mobile fueling. A, uh, a, a diesel transaction in the back of the lot where the truck drivers is complicated. They use a billing card. They've got to enter a lot of data into the pump to be able to release the pump by author authorization of the billing card and their company. We put that all on the app. So they can be sitting in line. They can set their transaction up. They can pull up to any pump as long as they're on the right location, which is all geofenced. And they key in the code, it releases the pump, they fuel and get on their way. Time is money to these guys. So if they can save five minutes every time they fuel, it's worth something to them. And it's just plain easy. Think about entering all that data in uh, Idaho in February, when you're trying to enter on the pump, it's a little cold. Do it in the comfort of your cab, set it up, you're rocking and rolling. So those type of parking reservations are all automated now. They can reserve a parking place. Uh, if they want to pay for it and they need, they want to guarantee themselves a space. Most of our spaces are free. You know, just pull up and park, but a lot of times they're all full. There's not enough parking, so they can reserve parking on the app. That utility uh, is really, really important to driving engagement. So they're already in the app. 
And we have 90, 90% of our drivers are engaged with the app. Same thing with loyalty. So they're, they're living on the loyalty points. They're always using points. Uh, and the last thing is offers. So we give great offers every month to professional drivers for free drinks, free food, discounts, what have you. And that is all customized and personalized in the app for the individual drivers. So this is where we we put a good bit of investment, and it's kind of why the marketing marketing is related to technology. It really gets into the heart of customer experience as well, Mike. And just hearing you speak and uh, the hearing you detail the innovations that you've you and your team have driven to enhance that experience is quite clear. I wonder how how do you think about engaging with your customers in order to validate approaches or co-innovate the extent to which that's a, a way in which you think about things? Um, how, how do you, you know, sort of ensure that you are getting ahead of the needs that they have so that, that your roadmap reflects um, those areas that will be of highest value to them? And, you know, we go out and we talk to the drivers, okay? With some people, they'll sit in the store and there's a driver and they're very willing to share. Okay. One thing about the professional driver is they'll tell you everything they don't like, and they have an opinion, and they're very willing to share it with us. Now, we can't do everything they'd like, but uh, without, and one of the things I'm really big on is, you know, user acceptance and usability testing before we put anything in front of the driver, have them look at it and say, yeah, I like that, or because we think we understand everything. We don't understand anything about what they're going through and how they interact with our uh, products on a daily basis. So talking to them and watching how they interact with the product is extremely important. And just going out and talking to them, you're going to hear where the pain points are. And that's where, you know, the shower thing, you know, you know, you and I don't think about people, these guys, they got a shower in our locations you know, they're parking their 18 wheeler in our parking lot. That's their hotel. Okay. You know, but making that easier for them, making sure that experience is good is huge. If they got a part, you know, they, they're worried about having a parking place. Okay, when they're you know they're they could be two hundred miles away, you know being able to reserve that parking place and knowing where they're going to stop is huge because they've got to get off the road at a certain point because of the law. They can only go eleven hours, and if you can get them where they don't have to go pull off at nine just to be sure they can park, they can go to ten and a half or eleven hours. That's money to them, and that's really important. Yeah, very well said. Uh, Mike, I was also very interested to know that um, you've had strategy as part of your purview uh, historically as well. And, and I think it's, again, a great sign of uh, the role that you've had, that you've you've been able to be influential in area, non-traditional areas for a tech and digital executive. Um, talk a bit about the relationship between tech and digital and marketing, the areas that are your primary uh, uh, points of, uh, of responsibility and broader strategy for the organization and, and the extent to which you have any hypotheses about um, whether or not this is a rising um, opportunity for peers of yours to get more influential on or perhaps to have leadership roles on. I'd love your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. Number one, it's fun, okay? It's it's fun to just be and not be an order taker, okay? I, we want to be involved in being a strategic partner to the business, not a not an order taker or a necessary evil as technology may have been in the past. Um, I, I come from the business. So my original background was finance, uh, started out Sachs running the bank there. Um, and obviously we had our own technology shop pretty much there. And I really always just love technology. But what being as coming from the business taught me is that I don't want the technology guy just driving technology down my throat. I want the technology person to be affiliated with what I'm doing and help me drive the business. And more and more with, tech, with tech, technology is at the center of 
you know, just about everything we're doing. Okay. And it, it is what it is. It's a, it's a fact. And I think the technology team needs to be completely and totally 100% aligned with their business partners. It requires relationship building, um, you know, check your ego at the door. You know, it's not my agenda. It's how do I help the business be successful. And uh, those those verticals that are assigned, I'm pushing more and more of my management team, my direct reports into the business. So they're sitting at the table. So, you know, Pat Staub, who runs the vertical for S&D, is sitting at the table with Brad Jenkins, who runs, so runs PFJ Energy, okay? Okay, they're sitting at the table together in just about every strategic meeting. And Pat will go to their staff meetings. Same thing with Jason Nordine, who runs uh, our operations group. He runs the stores. Critical that he has his IT team at his kind of at his beck and call, okay? Because there's seven or eight hundred stores that are relying on us keeping the technology solid, addressing his needs, reacting when there's a problem, being proactive. And you don't do that unless you're you understand exactly what Jason is facing every day, and it's a tough job. As the other people we have a debt of gratitude for during the pandemic is people that ran stores like Pilots that never shut down. Okay, well, I was sitting at home, you know, running technology. Okay, they were out there in the stores. Yeah, very, very yeah. interesting. Good and we're we're very cognizant of that, the fact that um, we, we owe them a debt of gratitude and we really do appreciate them. Yeah, it's w- wonderful. Very, very well said. I'd love to talk more about your pivot to technology. You began in finance, as you said. Uh, you said you always love technology. That's not typically enough to get somebody to uh, move away from a discipline they know well to one that is rather esoteric to, to the uninitiated. Uh, talk a bit about that pivot and why it was attractive to you. Um, you know, I, I figured out early on that you could really create a lot of value with technology. And it started in when I ran the credit operation that uh, really started with profits and sacks. Uh, you know, we had a very profitable banking operation that I was responsible for. And everything that we did to drive value was was stemmed from really innovative technology approaches whether it was electronic billing or building a new uh, risk algorithm and integrating that in so we could do real-time decisioning at the point of sale. That's just just fascinated me. And what really made it cool was the fact that not only were we doing cool technology, it was making money. Okay. I mean, the idea is we work for a public company or, you know, we have to make money. So using technology to deliver and extract value, it's something I just love. It fires me up. And, and what was your pathway to to getting a deeper understanding of technology such that you could become the the, the advisor on this, uh, you know, somebody who could get into the the depths of this technology? Was there a period of time where you had a, a peer who was your kind of co-pilot, so to say, who was more deeply technical in their background than yourself? Were you an autodidact who, uh, who learned quickly, some combination of those? I guess, I guess I had a kind of an aptitude and a passion for it. So I kind of self-taught a little bit. And then, you know, we talked about Rob Carter uh, earlier on, and Rob came into came to Sachs in like 1999. So he came as a board member. Um, Rob and I kind of connected, and he really informed and kind of educated me on this whole alignment with the business, not being too over, not being too aligned. And we had lots of sessions together in New York, and he really helped me uh, gravitate number one towards really loving technology and wanting to run it and seeing how it could. Uh, help the business uh, and teaching me a little bit about what to do and what not to do and being there as a as a sounding board. And I would encourage anybody that gets into this space, get a mentor. Okay. And, for, you know, uh, there's a lot of, uh, and some a little bit of gray hair. Rob's got a lot of gray hair now, but he had a little bit when we started, and so did I. Uh, 
Um, so the mentor part that he provided and some of the other leaders I had exposure to, the CEO of Sachs and some other folks really helped me. Mike, we're doing this interview at the end of 2022, and and no doubt you're looking ahead uh, to, to 2023. Uh, what are some things that are on your strategic roadmap, uh, if you don't mind my asking? What are some of the you know new innovations that you and the team are working on? Yeah, um, we've got we've got without saying too much, we have some pretty big initiatives on our roadmap. We're doing a lot on partners. Okay, so. On the gas side of our business, we're, we are transients. We're, our customers are transient, meaning that we're on the interstate. You're traveling a long-distance trip, and this this provides us advantages too. Uh, you're not coming every day, okay? So how do we build a relationship with other part parties? Give you an example, Gas Buddy. We have a relationship with Gas Buddy, okay? We've embedded our technology into their app. We're a, API cloud first, API first strategy. And, you know, we can expose our APIs that run inside of our app to pretty much anybody that wants to consume them, okay? And we, you know, we'll do a deal with them and, you know, our, our capabilities now and our benefits are exposed through the Gas Buddy app, but it's really, it's our technology running it. It's really, really cutting edge stuff. And I, I love that because um, it makes our technology ubiquitous. So, with, and they can also be with our customers. So figure we are, when I say customer, we have guests, which are truck drivers, and you and me on you know, with our cars, and we have customers that are JB Hunt, Schneiders of the world, big customers, and we want to help them be more profitable, do their job better, take better care of their drivers, and by embedding our technology and some of their workflows in their technology, whether it's their app or their tablet or whatever, if I can expose that technology to them, they consume it, everybody wins. We can give their drivers better benefits. It's easier for them to use. So they don't have to log into two apps. So that's a major initiative. We've recently done a deal, which has been you know, in the in the news with General Motors and with EVGo to enable electron high speed electric charging across the country at 500 of our locations. Pilot is uniquely positioned to solve range anxiety. Okay, so the big thing with electric vehicles now is, heck, I got to go all the way across the country. Where am I going to charge? Well, you're going to we're going to make it so that you'll be able to charge it a pilot and we cover the whole country. That's what's really cool about pilot. Enabling that, enabling that partnership with those two entities is really exciting. It's fun stuff. Very interesting indeed. It's fascinating to, to see that you're in uh, both in, in traditional fueling as well as EVs and, and uh, um, uh, making progress across those areas. Um, I, I wonder if you're, you're straying into another topic I was hoping to cover with you, which is Broader trends, uh, Mike. As you look to the future, are, are there any, any additional ones beyond the those that we've covered that uh, excite you? I mean, I think the trend is, of course, you know, electric vehicles. It's happening. There's a lot of them on the road already. It's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. So we're, you know, we're in the fueling business, and you know, you want we're going to be there to help you fuel, no matter what type of fuel you use. Uh, I think there's there's that type of thing. There's the autonomous vehicle, which does translate into autonomous trucking. We've worked with with companies. We've done some research here, and you know we'll be in a position to to service that that need when it arises. Um, we're also working on truck repair. We have a partnership with a company out of Mississippi that um, we're very very happy with. We'll continue to have those co located on our on our facilities so that trucks can get serviced. So things like that. We're always keeping our eyes open for opportunities to partner and grow our relationship with our customers. 
Mike, Mike, we've noted a number of ways in which your organization is innovating, and no doubt uh, a key ingredient to bring that to life is having a culture of innovation. And, and I wonder how you've brought that about to make sure that innovation is something that everyone is sort of keeping on their radar, if you will, uh, to bring not only what you've described, but future future innovations to life. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to who you hire and building a team that has that mindset. And, you know, if you hire a lot of uh, very creative and innovative people, they're going to want to innovate. So they'll bring you the ideas and you have to let them go. And one of the things we did was uh, this one of my one of the young executives and he said, hey, we should do a hackathon. And I said, yeah, this sounds like a fun idea. Let's figure it out. And they took it and ran with it in 2019. And we did it at the University of Tennessee. We had hundreds of people there, 10 teams. It was one of the best things we ever did. People had so much fun and we got real product real technical product out of the innovation event that we actually put into put into production, especially during COVID. So one of the products, I won't go into what it was, was very important to us during COVID to be able to communicate with our team members. It came out of Innovate, we called it Innovate 1.9. And of course, COVID happened and we didn't do a hackathon for two more years and we just did our second one in uh, 22, a couple months ago. And it was even bigger, funner, more exciting than ever. So. I think we might go to doing two of them a year, but that culture of innovation, people really, they want to, and everybody signs up. And the problem is with too many people signed up, we have to run the shop. So uh, it's really a, really an awesome event. And that culture of innovation, those types of things germinate and grow from each other. And a quick, quick uh, follow-up to that, Mike. Um, can you describe the importance of the relationship with universities and younger people, uh, whether that's the skills that they are, have recently uh, been educated on uh, that, that may be more relevant for the future, among other, you know, sort of advantages of bringing new blood into your organization? How do you think about that? Well, everybody, you know, right now, the, the despite what you're hearing with a bunch of layoffs and things like that, the competition for technical talent is intense. And I, I don't think that's really going to change. It may change for six months or whatever, but it's not going to change long term. It's all going to be about the technical talent uh, and the relationship with the University of Tennessee. I'm actually on the board of the, uh, the Tickle College of Engineering, which is their engineering school. And that's where the resources are coming from. We want to get them in early, train them and get them undocumented to the pilot culture, which is a great culture. A lot of people don't, you know, one of the things is pilots, not a not a household name. So we got to educate them. This is a big business. There's a lot of cool stuff happening. And being engaged with the universities at the ground level is extremely important. And my team and me uh, are really focused on that. And uh, that's where our talent's coming from. We do an internship program. And one of the things I want, I want all those juniors going back for the senior year to have an offer, assuming that we want to hire them and they want, they, they like us, have an offer when they walk out the door. And we'll have a job for them when they come back. I guarantee you that. I also wanted to ask, Mike, as somebody who's been an executive across multiple uh, organizations of consequence, some of the secrets to your own success. You mentioned a couple of things already, finding a great mentor, finding somebody with a little bit more gray hair than your own, uh, translating, of course, to, to deeper experience, deeper or broader experience as the case may be than you have and learning some uh, faster paths to success and perhaps to avoiding pitfalls along the way. Are there other things as you reflect on your rise uh, to your current post that have been significant difference makers for you? Yeah, um, I, I think so. Uh, what I would say is, um, Number one, build solid relationships, okay? Um, my relationship with my peers, whether it was at Saks or JCPenney or here, you know, it's something I really value. And you know, if you're not having a good time at work with your friends 
probably not worth it. I think people can sense that. The other thing is build a great team. And this is something that I had to learn over the years. Of course, when I started out, I could do everything. And, um, you know, I overdid what, you know, probably took too much time away from my family and I figured I could always outwork somebody. And I tried. Okay. And at the end of the day, I wasn't going to be successful if I kept with that, with that mentality. Uh, and so I ended up, you know, setting myself free to a certain extent by learning that I had a really good people, give them the the guidance, get them the resources they need to do the job and let them have at it. Because you know, what I've noticed is they're all, most of them are a lot smarter than I am. So they do things better. And I'm not, I'm not making that up. I, the quality of what my team was delivering when I delivered less myself went up exponentially. Okay. And I, you know, I thought in, that I was doing great and I could do everything. It's just not right. Especially as you migrate into a leadership role, you got to become a leader and not a doer. And that's hard to do because you like, I like doing, you know, I like getting my fingers on the keyboards and getting way into the way, way too much into the details. And quite frankly, when I stopped doing that, I became much more effective. Mentorship is an important thing. Uh, like Rob and some other folks that were really good mentors to me. That never goes away. And when opportunities arise, you may not even know they arise and someone gives you a call out of the blue and says, hey, what do you think about pilot? And that's actually what happened. And, you know, I never thought of pilot. Heck, it was one of the best opportunities that ever presented itself to me. And that came from relationships. Well, Michael Rogers, thank you so much for, for taking time with me today. It's been fascinating to hear more about your professional journey. Uh, it's been uh, wonderful also to hear about the expansive uh, purview that you have within Pilot Flying J, more about that business and its complexity, but also the great innovations that you and your team are bringing to life to enhance customers' experience and uh, loyalty among a variety of topics we covered here. It's been a really great conversation. Well, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it.